Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. The GCLI has developed the pedagogy of leadership, which combines brain science, leadership studies, cultural competency, and developmental psychology. Its mission is to teach teachers to teach leadership to students. This is your go-to podcast for discussions, tips, and stories for leadership and leadership education. And I am your host, Catherine Birdie, but please call me Birdie. Our world is in dire need of people just like you, people who are committed to building communities of leaders, young and old. So let's get busy leading the next generation of leaders, and thank you for joining us. Hello, GCLI listeners. It's Birdie here, and today's guest is a treat for all of us. Literally, she is a star. Her roles on the West Wing and CSI Miami have brought her the fame that many young girls dream about. But in the world of the GCLI, today's guest is a star leader. Her work with prisoners at Kern Valley State Prison, which is a maximum security prison in California, is leadership stardom. Today, she'll share with us how she found this work and some of the lessons we can take back to our schools, businesses, and families. Everyone, it is my sincere pleasure to bring to you Emily Proctor. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. You are a very busy lady, and I cannot tell you how thankful I am for your time today. Oh my gosh, Birdie, I'm so happy that you invited me to join you, and I love having conversations with people about where we are and how we can make changes. It is it is what I think is the most rewarding thing we could all be doing right now. I agree. I know there is so much going on in this world, and especially in the population that you're serving, I cannot imagine. And um, I want to get into all of that, but before we do, may I have permission to kind of turn some of your words from your newsletters into sound bites for our listeners? Absolutely. Awesome. This is in no particular order. I just pulled them from your wonderful one-pager newsletter. But um, everybody listen up. I think a lot of these will ring true and remind you of some of your times in the leadership lab or the academy or just leadership lessons you've learned along the way. So here they are. Number one, take responsibility to problem solve. Number two, being vulnerable is difficult but powerful. Three, give constructive feedback. Four, ask what's possible. Five, Make obstacles the starting point. Six, surround yourself with possibilitarians. And seven, turn mistakes into opportunities. I just love those, Emily. Um, And I have to ask, a little starstruck here, um, but did any of this wisdom come from two of the great characters you've played, Ainsley Hayes from The West Wing and Callie DeCane from CSI Miami? Oh my gosh, I, I I wish that I were as clever as either one of those women. Um, I think that a lot of these thoughts just came from trying to struggle within a difficult business, and especially one that is not necessarily female friendly. And then it's just trial and error. Sometimes you say things that work, and sometimes I just sort of have a borrowed spark from someone else who's just very generous with their content. And it leads me to another idea right now we're um, I'm doing research on Pima Chodron's pain as a doorway Um, and just trying to think of how I can turn that into a, a one page with some content from her time as a, as a Buddhist nun. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait for that. And is there a way for the general population to sign up for your newsletter? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's such a sweet um, question. I, I've never thought about that. My manager, my acting manager keeps saying it would be fun to do it as a blog, but I do feel like it's such a personal endeavor. And if you don't mind, I hope this doesn't sound critical, but in just trying to change language, we call mm-hmm. people who are in prison currently incarcerated. Currently um, incarcerated. Thank you so currently much. Currently incarcerated. It's just, it is um, it is a way because no matter what our, our feelings about education or, or possibility in that space, I think we all can agree that when people are released from prison, we want them to to do as well as they can and to come back into society and be a productive, a part of the community. And I think one way we can do that is to use careful language. Um, and I think we should use careful language with everyone. I think our misuse of language has gotten us into a lot of trouble. So um, that is just when I did my training, that's what I was taught. So I'm just passing it along. <laughs> I am so glad you did. Thank you. And you were so right. And let's get into that. Let's just jump right in. I mean, you're, you're, okay. you're working with storytelling, you're working with narratives with people who are currently incarcerated. And mm-hmm. um, can you tell us a little bit about the ground and how that started and, um, and what your mission is and just share it all? <laughs> well, I've, I've always really enjoyed service. And when I was in college, I was part of an after school program. When I moved from North Carolina to Los Angeles, I worked as a liaison in the homeless community and served on a soup kitchen line. Um, And this is something that continued long into the acting career. And I consider it really to be the most rewarding part of my, you know, sort of journey as a person. And um, about, gosh, three years ago now, My friend Tracy from Canada said, I'm celebrating my birthday, and what I really want is for people to volunteer for this program with me. And she said, it's a a program where we go in and we help people who were entrepreneurs before they went into prison sort of ground out their entrepreneurship in a healthier way before they are released back into community and able to work. And I said, well, it's your birthday. You know, we'll we'll do what you (laughs) want. So I will go to prison with you. And, um... It's just perspective is always a gift, isn't it? When you're able to see something from the other side. And once I went into prison and I looked at it, I thought it would be very difficult for people to do well after this experience. And I asked all the people that I worked with that day if they had children and they all did. And I thought, Mm -hmm. what are we doing to those children? you know, we're removing parents and then we're sending back parents who might not have made the best choices on the way in and, and are sure to not have corrected those choices on the way out. And I just thought I would really like to be able to just share information that many people are now exposed to through the internet that might not be um, provided there about how you solve conflict through communication, what what the effect of language can have on people and how you can escalate or de-escalate a situation using language, how you can um, not 
place narratives on yourself of failure or success or narratives on other people and just how to have a very clean relationship with the people that you're in relationship with. And so I began talking about this kind of content with our group, The Ground, in there. And then I realized um, there's a, a, a study called the ACEs study, which is Adverse Childhood Experience. And we took the ACEs test in our group, and I saw how many adverse childhood experiences the people that were a part of the group ha- had gone through. And I thought, I really need a complimentary children's program so that we can just begin talking about narratives and being able Mm -hmm. to stand up for yourself. And if we had been offering this kind of community, if we were still in that kind of way with each other that we used to be, where where all the generations were together, we were all listening and talking and telling stories and giving support and teaching lessons, what would what would our streets look like? How much safer would it be for people? How much happier would people be? And I thought, I don't know how much impact I'll make, but at least I can try. And I've really enjoyed working with children too, especially during COVID about what are the things you're telling yourself? And then what's actually true about your day and where you are not feeling supported, how can you advocate no matter what age you are for what you need and be heard? And it's all around language. It's all around language and the stories we tell ourselves. I mean, I think, um, I mean, that really is the starting point for so many leadership lessons. And and I don't know that we always frame them in that way um, as parents or as teachers, but, um, you know, that getting to that level of self-awareness where the stories that, that the lies that we sometimes tell ourselves and then begin to believe take root and inform decisions that that may just be unfortunate but for some of these children they're they are they've been removed from a family member that that is having a hard time at that I just think it's incredible that you're teaching them how to reframe um, who they are what they what they stand for and how they will choose to live the rest of their lives I mean that's it's a two-generational approach, like you said, right? I mean, that's... Incredible. Yes, I just think, I think when I was little, I spent so much time with my mom and my grandmother consistently, um, and, and, and we're, we're losing out for not having that with everyone being so spread out, and I think there has to be a modern way to do that, where it, we might not be family, but we can still exist in this multi-generational community setting together. Um, because the, the ideas around this work are very challenging because it's impossible not to recognize the people who've been victimized as well and hold Mm -hmm. them in a very respectful and honored place. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we start from this point and try and just intercept all of this activity as, as much as we can? Yeah. Well, I have to say, I think you're just the empathy there um, is just tremendous, and it's an example of how we can be more empathetic, um, and with ourselves and with others. And I love the um, this multi generational community approach. What does it look like when you are? I guess with COVID, it's been online, but have you had any mm-hmm. in person in person interaction um, so that it's even more authentic and genuine? 
Oh, sure. I mean, our, our class began um, taking place within an incarceration facility, and that was a, a learning environment for me. Um, and that's where we it did take place. But now since then, because of COVID, everyone's still sort of separated in terms of programming that's happening. Um, and then our children's program ran via Zoom. And I, it was really wonderful. I have to say, this is such an obvious statement. But when you see the sort of pureness and power of childhood and children, it is so inspiring. And just looking at all those kids who, as an adult, I look back and think like, oh my gosh, if that had been my second grade or my fifth grade or my eighth grade year, it would have been devastating. And yet, mm. just going on, just like, yep, nope, this is what we're doing. What can I learn today? How do I absorb? How am I feeling? And how can I, how can I sort of round that out? It's really inspiring. That's amazing. Is it a model that, um, do you have any plans for it to be, is it staying at Kern Valley? Is that, or is it moving into other um, system facilities? Well, the, and don't feel bad about struggling with the language. I can't tell you how much I struggled initially. It's very difficult. Um, it is. <laughs> and, then, and then you get used to it and you're like, oh, yes, of course, that makes sense. Um, so we had a scalable model in both areas. And I was fortunate enough last year to be introduced to an organization called Concordance Academy. And so we've kind of got a soft merge at the moment, but eventually it will get scaled out. And it will be run through Concordance Academy, which is just okay. doing incredible work as well. Oh, congratulations. It's really incredible. I've, I wanted to, um, to end with a, a shout out to, it looks like two, two gentlemen that you worked with, Ian and Quan. They, um, there's a great YouTube video that I want people to look into. If it, I think it's, it's out there for everybody, but their work on self-actualization was so inspiring to me, and um, just, it was a really incredible interview that you gave with them, and if listeners can get to that and um, recognize that we all struggle with narratives, and that- We do. I mean, it's just, it's what we do, and if they can do this work, I can do this work, and we can encourage other people to do this work. Um, it's just, it's really a testament. Quan is actually speaking at um, South by Southwest this weekend. I don't really? mean to, to timestamp our, our interview, but yes. And he, he really is walking a path of understanding and peace. And he is, his book, um, Sparrow and the Razor Wire, is a hard but really interesting read. I completely recommend it. Thank you. I mean, it really... I just, I, how did, and then again, I know, I think I asked the question before, I mean, it was just a birthday that you just, got, you, you went in and volunteered and then out of that, what a birthday present and to you, I guess, that you have been <laughs> able to do this work and the seed was planted and it's just taking off. Congratulations. Tracy, her name is Tracy Avenish and she is, she is that kind of person. She just introduces everyone to ideas and they're always just kind of seems to be the right fit for the right moment. But I, I have felt, and I don't think I'm alone in this feeling, that we are at a real crossroads in terms of how we're going to move forward with each other and what do we want it to look like? And with all of the sort of, um, I don't even have the right word, but um, 
the unhappiness and the the unkindness and um, small thinking that is happening in the world. It feels amazing to also know that I think there are very large groups of people who are coming together to say, wait a minute, how have we been and how do we want to be? And that has, I think, been one of the most amazing things about entering the nonprofit space is that that was a, a community I wasn't aware of. And it's like, I don't know if you saw it, but there's uh, a documentary about mushrooms and it talks about how underneath our soil, mushrooms have this network of life and they send um, they send things where it's needed and they make the soil rich so that it can grow and support the other life around it. And um when I got into nonprofit work, it was really kind of like that. It was seeing this web of people who is who are out in the world and they are just doing their very best to create a kinder um, structure with more opportunity. And I always qualify opportunity when I say it. It's not about jobs. We've spent so much of our lives thinking of opportunity as work. Work is something else. Opportunity for happiness, opportunity for togetherness, opportunity for learning and growth, opportunity for evolution. Um, so there's this whole network of people out there that you never even hear about who work tirelessly for our evolution as the human being. Oh, that is incredible. And is that is that your why? What's your why? Oh, my why. My why is always, my why is always the same my whole life. My why is a why not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I why love not? it. I love it. Um, and then another piece, um, since we're talking about the, the questions, um, it's, you had something really wonderful in one of your pieces. It's the because that's hard to live with. Um, <gasps> I love that. The because is hard to live with. Processing the because is hard. Um I just, I loved that. That really Thank, you kind of know, resonated it, with me too. It makes me feel good to hear you say that because this is something that I have, it's a thought I have been working around for gosh, probably a decade because we can deal with yeses. They're easy. We can deal with noes. They're harder, but we can deal with them because it's sort of finite. It's like, it's no. Right. It's just um, no. Mm -hmm. But it is the becauses in life that we just roll and roll and roll in our sort of like human mind computer of like, well, why? Because, why? Because, and I do really feel like um, the work on the because and how we handle the because influences our daily happiness and our, and our opportunities really. I but agree. And that's so it, hard. It's so hard. And it, and it really is, uh, you know, it's really that, that, that moment that a story hinges on, right? Um, this happened mm -hmm. because of this or because of that. I mean, one thing leads to another because of something. And I just, I think that it, it informs the story, true or not, that we tell ourselves. And, and I think from there, you know, we, the decisions we make and the impact that we can make or not, um, that the, the love that we can share or not, um, I really just think it's, it's an incredible it's an incredible statement. You really have, um, if it's not yours, like you said, you barred it. You barred it from me. <laughs> that one's entirely mine. I love it. 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 Well, but I do I, think it was interesting 
um, at Kern Valley to be with people whose becauses were so um, extreme. Mm -hmm. And I had read a, a novel years ago and I hadn't connected the two thoughts until I was at Kern Valley, but it was called Shot in the Heart, Shot in the Dark. I can't remember, but it, yeah. Michael Gilmore wrote it about Gary Gilmore, his brother, who had been um, a serial killer who I think was, was mainly famous because he had chosen to be executed by firing squad. And I remember, I'm a big nonfiction reader, and I remember reading that book and Gary Gilmore had been interviewed and the interviewer said, was there a moment where one person could have made a difference and you could have had a different path? And his answer was yes. And that's what I took away from that book is I thought that is a really influential because, and it was yeah. a teacher and he went to a teacher and said, I need help. And the teacher said, I can't help you. Mm -mm. And, um, and, and we can all relate to that because, I mean, gosh, with the teaching community, the load everyone is carrying there is so heavy. I don't even know how those wheels are rolling. It is incredible. Um, and we don't know why he said no. But what I think is interesting is that there was a moment. There was a breaking point. And what does it look like if we go back and try and just give everyone a good amount of structure? So that the becauses are not as extreme. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, you have, um, you know, really, I think, taken a platform, you know, taken your platform and really um, used it for such wonderful good. And it's a wonderful model for those of us who seek to make a change and a difference in the world. Um, again, I think if we can we can identify the story and the narrative we tell ourselves and we can teach children to shape their narrative in a way that is positive and full of that possibility. Your, mm -hmm. the possibility, possibility, excuse me, possibility, <laughs> possibilitarians <laughs> of the world. <laughs> you know, though, I think, I think the goal is, because people ask me all the time, they're like, well, are you going for such a positive thing? And I was like, I'm going for accuracy because it's okay to have things be, you know, not positive as long as they're accurate. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's this really strange narrative about poverty being bad. And I don't know when that started or why that started, but that's, that is bad news. And that kind of negative narrative needs to stop, um, you know, and it can be replaced with, I don't have everything I need and I wish I did, you know, but I am trying and I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, rather than telling oneself that somehow if they don't have this or that, that they're a bad person. And that's the kind of speak that I want to try and interrupt because I do think it sends people in a, well, you know, who cares? kind of a direction and what great minds are we losing out there what great minds are we losing because society has already like infiltrated their mind in such a unjust and untrue way and you said something about people want to make change and 
I think this is so true. There's one thing I talk about with my daughter a lot because everyone makes change. You know, if you think about it, if you decide to honk or not to honk on the freeway, you've made a choice about change, Mm -hmm. um, changing the course of someone's day. And so I think, and every teacher, because I know, you know, with your community, every teacher makes a change every day. And I look back on my life and the teachers that I've had that were instrumental to maybe not even learning the subject they were teaching me, but into who I became. Right. And that's so powerful. But um, I do something with my daughter called breadcrumbs of happiness. And we just kind of like, we pick up a piece of trash or we smile at someone who might not be expecting to get like a hello. And it's easy. It's free. We can all do it. You know, that is and breadcrumbs of happiness will just, give us even it'll just get us on our way you know I think more than that I mean I think in this in this world um with all the pain and suffering that we hear about all the time breadcrumbs of happiness those are the little teachable moments which we do talk a lot about at the GCLI breadcrumbs of happiness that is listeners I want to leave you with that go (laughs) breadcrumbs of happiness (laughs) Emily Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your work. Um, Listeners, I'll point you to um, YouTube with um, a great interview with her friends, Ian and um, Quan, Ian and Quan. Great work. Um, And again, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for your time today. And I look forward to hearing more great stuff that's happening with your nonprofit. Thank you so much for having me, Birdie. And I really appreciate being on your show and what you're doing. Thank you. These are some good breadcrumbs today. Great breadcrumbs today. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Thank y'all for joining us today and we'll see you in two weeks time. Until then, visit us at gcliadership.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You'll find all of our links at the bottom of our podcast. And until then, lead on.